Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and I'm recording this by myself right after the Kings just beat the Clippers at the Golden One Center the second time the Kings have played this Clippers team. Uh, back-to-back games here for the Kings. The Clippers did just play the night before against the Lakers and won a close one there in L.A. But before I dive too much into what was a pretty promising victory, um, where I think the Kings showed a lot of signs of growth, and that's kind of going to be the theme of this episode. I want to start with what we heard Alvin Gentry and some of the other guys, uh, Rashawn Holmes, Tyrese Halliburton, mention at practice the day before this Clippers game. Um, recording this on the night of the 4th, like I said, when the Kings just beat the Clippers, but practice took place on the 3rd. It was the first home practice that the Sacramento team has had under Alvin Gentry. My understanding is that they also had one practice on the road, but this now gave Gentry a little bit of a opportunity to potentially implement some new things and kind of spend some time going over whatever he felt was needed with the roster that he's taken over from Luke Walton. It's now been seven games. If you include both of these Clippers games and Gentry is four and three during that stretch. And some of the big differences we've heard, um, I mean, well, I guess to start, Gentry has pointed out that he's really not going to change all that much. You know, he was on the coaching staff from the beginning of the year. A lot of what was implemented at the start of the year, Gentry had a say in, even if he was not the final decision maker. So I don't think that we should expect massive changes or anything like that. But, you know, the notice, the differences that I have noticed Walton mentioned pace, and he mentioned pace a good amount, but Gentry mentions pace every single sentence that he possibly can. And, you know, when Walton was let go, we heard Monty McNair speak to press and say that he thinks this team can be the fastest team in the league. We still haven't seen that. The pace has actually gone down since Gentry's taken over, but I don't think that's exactly representative of the speed they've been playing at. There's some really poor games in that stretch and it being only five games. um, Well, six, but five for the stats that are available. If you kind of accumulate all of them there, if we're talking about pace, there's some really poor ones. You know, there's that Memphis game. There's the Philly game, which is the first one Gentry took over. I just think that looking at those numbers right now is a really small sample size and not very representative of what I think has been an increased pace since Alvin Gentry has taken over. There's, you know, less opportunities to run in transition because, you know, they keep saying the greatest asset we have is our speed, right? And we're going to use that in transition. So you get less transition opportunities if you don't get stops. You know, the easiest way to get transition opportunities is to get stops and then on the defensive end and then run off of those missed opportunities from your opponents. So not securing defensive rebounds where the Kings are still 29th and opposing offensive rebounds allowed is going to limit your transition opportunities. Not forcing steals is also going to limit your transition opportunities, which is something the Kings have not been very good at. Um, They're only averaging 7.2 steals per game prior to this, um, prior to this Clippers game that just concluded here, um, which is only 23rd in the league. And opponents average 13.6 turnovers per game, which is only 18th most in the league. So they haven't been great at that. You know, like Minnesota, for example, is the only team that gives up more opposing offensive rebounds than the Kings. And part of that reason is because they average the most turnovers per game, opposing turnovers per game. My apologies. So, you know, they're willing to be a little bit more risky for the sake of optimizing their transition strength, their strength of transition offense compared to really emphasizing, you know, we need to be better at rebounding. Like, obviously, that is a focus. That's something that the Kings need to make sure that all five guys on the floor are paying attention to that. But at the same time, um, you know, running in transition is going to be the best team that that this team can do. That seems to be the identity. We keep hearing the idea of finding consistency from Alvin Gentry. And it seems like that's where he believes that can be found. And part of the way, again, as I was saying, would be to increase opponent turnovers. And 
I was surprised that those numbers had been down all year when we'd been hearing pace over and over. But for the first time, um, from what I had seen, we heard mentioned that the team wants to force more turnovers. And and when I first caught onto this was from De'Aaron Fox post game when they played the Clippers in LA, the first of these two games in a row against the Clippers. Um, this was on December 1st. And Fox mentioned the idea of forcing more turnovers. And at the end of before that uh, post-game press conference wrapped up, I asked him about forcing turnovers and if that was something they were looking to do a little bit more often. And uh, I'll play that clip here now. By the way, this is now going up on YouTube as well for the first time, and you'll be able to see the, guess made somewhat of a little graphic for overlay for the episode and for whatever quotes that you're going to hear throughout this. I have about five different quotes that you're going to hear. And uh, you would be able to see them on YouTube as well with a little bit of, um, you know, what I think is the most notable thing said in there as well, kind of over it. So definitely check out King's Pulse on YouTube as well. But like I was saying, the idea of forcing turnovers, um, I heard for the first time this season from Fox. And when I asked him if that is something they're looking to emphasize since Walton, since Gentry has taken over or if it was beginning of the year, this after they played the Clippers for the first time on December 1st, this was Fox's response. Hey, Darren, you just mentioned uh, trying to force turnovers there for the sake of pace. Is that something that you guys have focused on from the start of the year, or is that more of a uh, new thing here as the year's gone along? Uh, I think it's something that we we definitely wanted to get started um, from the start of the season. Um, being able to get into the ball, you know, turn a guy a couple times. It's not about, you know, getting the steal on the ball. I mean, that's – for NBA players, that's a, that's a tough thing to do. But uh, just trying to get them to turn their back, um, make passes more difficult. Um you know, you don't want to deny every pass, but just try to get people to run their offense a little bit further out if you can do that. I mean, it's just being disruptive. It's, yeah, you want to get steals, you want to get deflections, but, you know, sometimes you're not going to do that. You just want to be disruptive, uh, get get teams out of their flow uh, just so they're not comfortable. And um, tonight we did a great job. We've had a few games that we've done a great job at it, a few games that we've done a poor job at it. So um, just try to continue to do that. Like I said, sometimes your deflections will be down, but you can still be disruptive without getting deflections and steals. And I think we saw that in the first game against the Clippers and then also the second one as well. Um, you know, defense is the idea of where you can find consistency, right? Because the whole offense wins games, defense with champion wins championships. I think the idea is like, if you're a great offensive team, sometimes shots aren't going to fall. Um, that's something that we'll get into a little bit later with shots not falling for this team, but sometimes it's not going to happen. You know, we heard a lot of, I think I spoke about it in the last episode with Chris and Frankie of you know, uh, we got good looks, but shots weren't falling tonight. And sometimes that's going to happen, but you can play consistent, hard-nosed defense that, like De'Aaron Fox said, is disrupting your opponents and just causing them to think a little bit more. Like he said, taking longer to get into their offensive possessions. Um, he mentioned getting them to start um, or initiate the plays from a little bit further out. So that way there's more opportunity to jump passing lanes. That's another thing that um, I don't remember who we hear it from. I believe it was Halliburton that I'll play the clip here in a moment. We hear that same thing as well. The idea of jumping passing lanes seems to be interesting, which, you know, Halliburton is a guy that should be good at that. I think with his length and instincts, De'Aaron Fox is obviously extremely fast. I think he should be really good at jumping passing lanes. Um, so, yes, I think the team has this idea that they can find consistency on the defensive end. The issue is that they've been consistently bad last season. This year, they've been inconsistent that they've had their good moments. Um, before this second Clippers game, they're sitting at 26th in defensive rating, according to basketball reference. Not great. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to be a great defensive team, but I think this idea of being disruptive and aggressive on the defensive end was seen against uh, against the Clippers on the second night and also the first one as well. But to continue on that point, I asked Alvin Alvin Gentry at practice after hearing that from Fox. I asked Gentry at practice the day after how much they were really emphasizing pace. And here is that conversation. We heard De'Aaron talk about a force in turnovers, and the team hasn't done that at a great rate this year. Is that something that you're looking to do a little bit more often? Possibly? Well, actually, we talked about that today about how you know we have to be in a position where we're, we're forcing turnovers and creating easy baskets for us. You know? So, uh, 
you know, active hands and getting into the ball a little bit better uh, than we have. But uh, we need to do that. Uh, that helps your offense, obviously, you know, when you're coming up with live ball turnovers and being able to run out with numbers. So that's one of the things that we emphasize. Sorry for that audio quality. Obviously, at practice, um, there's a lot going on in the background there. But yeah, I mean, Gentry just confirms that that's something that they are emphasizing. Like he said, they're not changing all too much since um, the switch from him, from Walton to him. But that is one thing that he has been emphasizing for sure. Um, And then also got a chance to ask Halliburton a few questions on the idea of forcing turnovers after Gentry as well. So here's that clip. The last two games, did it kind of feel like a representation of your season, just the ups and downs that you guys have experienced already? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I would say that. I would say it's a, it's a, it's been a roller coaster of a year so far. Um, when we're good, we're good, and when we're bad, we're bad. You know, so, um, but you know, we're just trying to, you know, we we preached it from end of last season is just finding that consistency, and you know, we're still figuring that out. But you know, as long as we just stay, stay with the, stay with it. And, uh, you know, clean up the right things, it'll, it'll all come together. Is there an aspect of the game where you think you guys can find that consistency right now you have identified? Uh, I mean, I think the easiest thing, right, things that we can control, I think we can control, like what Alex keeps talking about, right, right, like our pace, like no matter no matter what, like if we're missing shots, if we're not getting stopped, like we can control our pace, you know what I'm saying? We can control how hard we're getting the ball over the court, uh, you know, making teams play fast, which we did a really good job of in LA the other day, so... Um, yeah, things like that is, is got to be our identity, and then you know, kind of just going from there. Yeah, and on that, we've heard we've heard a couple guys talk about uh, forcing turnovers more often. What does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, are you talking me personally or as a team? Yeah, as a team, both. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think just being in the passing lanes, uh, getting into the ball more. You know, I think we got you know good length and guys with good instincts. Uh, that you know, you know, we got guys like Davion that get into the ball and uh, you know force guys to run their offense out farther. It makes it easier to, you know, be a passing lane to get on run. And uh, you saw in LA, once we're in the passing lane, it's getting, getting stops, run out dunks and fast break points that were really hard to stop because now we're completely dictating pace. And, uh, a lot of teams don't want to play at the same pace. Is that level of aggression kind of more, uh, you know, like risk reward sort of thing? It can be at times for sure. You know, you gamble and, you know, if you give up, you're going to give up shots or you try to leak out on a, on a long shot. And, now you're giving up offensive rebound, so you just got to figure out the, the smartest way to go about those things. Yeah, um, I, I think that he mentions that they did that well in L.A. That was that was Halliburton. And then they did it well coming back to Sacramento against that same L.A. Clippers team. You know, the Clippers were probably tired. Uh, again, second night of a back-to-back for them after just beating the Lakers in a pretty close one the night before. But no matter. Um, you know, there's a size advantage that the Clippers were working with in this one. And I thought that the defensive physicality that we saw from the Kings was a little bit different. They felt more, you know, into the ball handlers and yeah, jumping passing lanes, just making guys uncomfortable, Um, you know, not allowing the opposing team to just casually go through their sets, making it difficult just for a guy to get around a screen on the weak side um, and little things like this, just being pesky, annoying, disruptive, I guess was the word De'Aaron used. So I'll stick with that one on the defensive end. I, I think they did a really good job of that in the first half against the Clippers at Golden One Center. And uh, like you heard mentioned, they also did a pretty good job when they played the Clippers in LA the game prior. But yes, this is the idea of where they can find consistency is in pace and the with with speed in pace. And the best way to make that happen is by getting stops on the defensive end. So last clip from practice that I want to throw in here as well, um, a little bit more focus on consistency in general rather than specifically forcing turnovers, um, but just to continue on this idea of where the Kings can find consistency. And I think we saw promising signs of this in these Clippers games. This one is uh, from Rashawn Holmes at practice. This is what we can be if we consistent. You know, we know what we can do and we know what we can bring. We just have to do it consistently. Like I said, we've been talking about it, talk about it all the time. Now we got a chance to get some practice time, get some reps, 
and then get out there on the court and do something about it. So it's exciting. There's been such an emphasis on rebounding and getting your help down there. Do you kind of see some of those things coming along for you guys? I mean, yeah, we down there. We know we're undersized team. You know, we're down there battling, and we got to figure out a way to get it done on the glass. And I know the guards are coming in, you know, helping me pinch rebound things and that sort, coming in and grabbing them over the top when I'm boxing out. And that's something we definitely going to do. Along. You talk about being consistent. Where do you think you guys can find that consistency? Uh, mainly, on, mainly on the defensive end, I feel like. You know, sometimes I feel like when our shots aren't going, we can kind of let that dictate our defense. But when we locked in on defense, we've shown what we can do in stretches, and we just have to do it consistently. Yeah, so keeping up the defense is, is obviously a point of emphasis. And, you know, we heard uh, – we saw defense be a really big problem last year, obviously. 30th defensive rating – and the idea with a lot of the offseason acquisitions was a focus on defense, that the team would be able to get better in that aspect. They haven't really, sadly. Um, I, I take that back, actually. I shouldn't say that. They have. They definitely have from the low bar that they're starting at. I, I think they still have struggled on the defensive end for stretches. And like Holmes said, I think when their offense is really going through slumps, you can see it affect their energy level on the defensive end. And, 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 you know, Tyrese mentioned something along the lines of he actually, the idea of uh, getting a stop on defense, weirdly the offense will inspire him because, or, or get him excited to play defense because he knows that it'll lead to a transition opportunity. So that's a little bit more exciting and just, you know, a little bit more motivation to like lock in on defense. Not saying that guys need more motivation, but I, I think this is just a thing in the NBA that, Nobody's locked in for 48 minutes. Um, you know, as much as you want that to happen, maybe not nobody, but, you know, 45, like you're going to have your little lapses. And I think that being more encouraged to play defense because it means that you're going to get more exciting transition opportunities that are easier for you and the guys around you on the other end. Um, if that's going to encourage guys a little bit, then great. But I think the main aspect is just trying to maximize what they think their identity is with this speed, meaning a very high-paced offense. So that's kind of what we've been seeing. And yeah, I mean, I think that it's um, it, it's gone all right. I, I was really encouraged by the defense that we saw in the second game against the Clippers in the first one as well. Um, you know, we saw some small lineups with against the Clippers with Paul George or Marcus Morris, whichever one you want to say, playing the five. And then we also saw big lineups in the game prior with Serge Ibaka at the four and Ivica Zubak at the five. And the Kings played well against both. Um, I, well, maybe they struggled a little bit against the bigger lineup, but I think that um, the Kings were able to react to both of those lineups. And the Clippers aren't some amazing team. It is a little concerning to me that we're going to go through some of the other aspects aside from the just defensive intensity and effort that we saw from the Kings that... Um, I thought they did well, again, like encouraging signs of growth. And they still kind of only barely scraped by the Clippers. But, you know, a win is a win. I felt like they were in control of this game for most of it, if not all of it, really. Another aspect that's been interesting is we've heard Tyrese Halliburton be criticized a lot for his lack of aggression on the offensive end. And um, I am admittedly one of those people. I, I mean, I don't understand why. Maybe not, I don't understand. I don't think Tyrese Halliburton should barely be taking one more shot per game than Davion Mitchell. I certainly don't think that there should be... Tyrese Halliburton is shooting 4.4 threes per game, and this is including the game, both of the games against the Clippers. 4.8 threes per game. Lewis King is shooting 4.7, only in three games, but... Terrence Davis is shooting 4.8. Again, Halliburton 4.4. I may have said that number incorrectly earlier, but Halliburton 4.4. Chemezi Metu 4.3 per game. De'Aaron Fox 4.3. Davion Mitchell 4.0. Just four attempts per game. There's no reason that all of Terrence Davis, Chemezi Metu, De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton, and Harrison Barnes should be within half of a three-point attempt of each other. Harrison Barnes and Tyree Saliburton are damn near 40% three-point shooters. Those guys need to be getting shots up from beyond the arc at a really high rate. And that hasn't been happening. Um, Harrison Barnes has been out, and we'll get to the injury update with him and Mo at the end of Mo Harkless at the end of this episode. 
Um, but you know, there's been some, I think fair criticism about Halliburton looking for his own shot. And, um, another thing that we saw on top of the increased defensive aggressiveness and physicality against these Clippers in the second game is that we saw Halliburton be more aggressive specifically in the first half of this game against the Clippers. He came out, man, and was very confident. Um, you know, I think every time that people go under screens, Halliburton should be pulling it. There's part of me that wonders if his low release is impacted by on those impacts, those type of shots more than some other guys, because you're shooting your over your own player there as you're kind of behind the guy that's screening for you. And I almost wonder if, you know, his form takes a little bit longer than some other guys. So it makes it a little bit more difficult to, kind of quickly get that shot off and specifically get it off over one of your taller own players. But either way, like he needs to be comfortable hitting that shot. There's no reason defenders should be able to go under on him. And most of the time it doesn't happen, but it's still like, I, I think that he should be taking that every single time that it does. And again, like I said, um, in this first half of this Clippers game, he played great for reference. His season averages this year prior to the second Clippers game at Sacramento was uh, Tyrese's season averages were 11.5 points on 10.5 field goal attempts per game and 4.2 three-point attempts per game. And just in the first half against the Clippers, Tyrese was at 15 points on 6 of 9 from the field and 3 of 5 from deep. So just under 1.5 field goal attempts from his season average and already passed his season average in three-point attempts just at halftime. And he did somehow only end with 18 points in this one. So he only managed three more points in the second half, um, which is, you know, obviously not great, but he only shot the ball five more times in that second half. He made one of five, which was a shot from three um, where he went one of three in that second half. He also had a few weird offensive fouls called on him that were like push-offs, I guess, while he was um, functioning in the pick and roll and kind of trying to keep his defender in jail on his back. Um, and yeah, I got some weird push-offs and it, it was pretty funny when he got that call playing defense that somebody pushed off him. I'm, I'm sure that was probably a pretty good feeling after feeling like he maybe got a, a little bit of a quick whistle on the other end. So seeing him be aggressive in that first half, like this is kind of what I'm going to keep coming back to that first half against the Clippers. The second Clippers game in Sacramento was just kind of what felt like checking all these boxes of things that I had been concerned about and felt like there had been needs for growth. Um, a physical defense, like I mentioned, Halliburton being aggressive on the offensive end. Fox was really aggressive on the offensive end in that first half as well. We saw, you know, some patented, whatever you want to call it, um, coast-to-coast -coast takes from De'Aaron Fox that I feel like have been a rare sight this year, which I don't quite understand why. Um, you know, I, I get his half-court struggles to an extent. The shooting around him has been poor. Like we talked about with Chris and Frankie on the last episode, I'll get into a little bit here in a moment as well. But transition offense, like this is where Fox should thrive. And if we see that a little bit more often, maybe we're going to see more of these. But him being aggressive on the offensive end was encouraging as well. I mentioned his defense on Paul George and Tyrese Halliburton credited him for kind of bringing the energy and leadership on that end in the post game, which was great to see. Um, part of the reason that Halliburton needs to shoot more and Barnes needs to shoot more because those other guys that they're rubbing shoulders with Barnes, when he returns, those other guys that they're rubbing shoulders with when it comes to the amount of attempts from beyond the arc, each game are shooting really bad. And these numbers are prior to the most recent Clippers game, but on wide open three-point attempts, the Kings were converting at a historically bad rate. NBA.com only started tracking what they consider wide open or op like wide open, open. I think they do tight and then very tight based on how far the closest defender is when this shot is attempted. They only started tracking this in 2013-14. But in that time, the Kings are shooting 30.4% on wide open threes which is the worst rate since that no, since that stat has started since that stat has been tracked <laughs> there we go on nba.com in 2013-14 again 
30.4%, which is just horrible. Um, and what you're seeing that from on wide open threes, Terrence Davis, 8.7%, two out of 23. Chemezi Metu, 22.2%, eight out of 36. Maurice Harkless, 21.7%, six out of 35. Davion Mitchell, 27.6%, 16 out of 58. Now, these guys are going to shoot better. Um, I think all of these guys are better shooters than what we've seen, especially on those wide open shots. There is an aspect of them simply missing shots. Um, so I understand when we hear that a little bit in post game, it's just kind of tiring when there are clearly other issues going on as well. But that has been a factor. And Buddy Heald's percentage has has slipped a little bit. I believe he was about 37% because like Chris Frankie and I talked about in the latest ep- in the episode prior to this, he was um I believe he only made uh four of four threes in his last three games, not counting this one against the Clippers where he did he did again only make one of five. Wow, Buddy Heald is on a on a very cold stretch right now. But luckily, we know that Buddy Heald is going to come back around. You know, Buddy Heald is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Even if you're frustrated with other things that Buddy Heald maybe struggles to do on the offensive end, I thought he's driven to the hole and to the basket and finished there uh, more often. And I've been happy with that this season. But even if you're frustrated with whatever other aspects of his game, even maybe what I just mentioned, his three-point shooting is obviously what Buddy Heald does. You know, upwards of 10 attempts per game and He's going to be right around 40% by the end of the year. Um, I've been frustrated with Buddy, but he's going to do that, and this team needs that. The thing is, is that, again, these other guys kind of have to get these shots up, but they haven't been converting at a great rate, and that's an issue. Um, Terrence Davis is specifically the one where it's like, this has got to come back around, right? And sure enough, in these last two games against the Clippers, that's exactly what happened. In the first game in L.A., Terrence Davis starts in the absence of Harrison Barnes and Maurice Harkless and Marvin Bagley in that one as well. Um, Terrence Davis in 30 minutes put up 23 points on nine to 14 from the field, five of nine from three and uh, three steals in that one as well. He was a really big factor. You know, him being able to space the floor is what you expect him to do. Um, he's had a horrific start shooting the ball this season, um, which you'll hear him talk about in a minute here. But these two Clippers games could be what he needs to get back in a rhythm because prior to his struggles this season, if you go back to last year, he shot 36.7% on 4.4 three-point attempts per game. This year so far, not including the second Clippers game, he was at 25.8% on 4.4 attempts per game. Um, yeah, and what was what was this um, number when it came to wide open? 8.7%. What the? Two out of 20, that is ridiculous. Terrence Davis is a good shooter. Even if he's not a great shooter, he's a capable, more than capable shooter. And it was only a matter of time until we saw that. So like I mentioned, he did manage 23 points in 30 minutes on uh, five of nine from three in that first Clippers game. And then in the most recent one, he had 28 points in 29 minutes, including nine of 16 from the field, six of 11 from three and four of four from the free throw line. And most importantly, the Kings only scored 14 points in the final seven minutes and 23 seconds that they played against the Clippers. They hit a stretch where they really struggled to score. A lot of that had to do with the Clippers playing a zone defense, and the Kings were struggling to shoot their way out of it. They weren't getting to the middle of the zone. The zone was really frustrating them in this one and causing them some issues, and the Clippers were switching a lot. So it kind of blew up a lot of Sacramento's half-court offense. Um, that already struggles in the first place. But Sacramento, again, only scored 14 points in the final seven minutes and 23 seconds of that game. Terrence Davis had 10 of them. And the rest came from free throws. And they all came towards the the end of the game. There was only between the seven minute and 23 seconds mark to the two minute and 28 second mark, Terrence Davis was the only Kings player to score. Buddy Heald wasn't in the game because Terrence Davis was legitimately on fire earlier. And I love that Gentry was willing to go back to the hot hand and it paid off. Um, you can hear what 
Gent- what um, Terrence Davis had to say about his shooting struggles prior to this point um, earlier in the year. And, you know, I think that shooting is a mental thing when it comes for a lot of these guys and you can get pretty low on yourself or feel really good. And, and that is going to affect the outcome of a lot of your shots. And um, here's Terrence Davis after his big game against the Clippers at Golden One Center on his struggles from earlier in the year. Terrence, how good does it feel for you to have this stretch here where you seem to have found your stroke and, and sort of your niche with this team for us? Oh, man, honestly, uh, you know, it's been tough. You know, as a shooter, I, I tell this to Buddy, we, we talk all the time. But as a shooter, you know, when you're not hitting shots, it's very, very frustrating, you know, just, just because, you know, that's what, that's kind of, you know, what they pay you for, you know, to make and hit shots, man. So uh, when you when it's not going in and it's it's just really really frustrating. You start to you know question question yourself and things like that. Well, you know lately it's I've been feeling you know really good. My teammates have have just been you know encouraged me to you know keep shooting coaches. So it's everything has been been great. See how much of a relief was that previous game on went on Wednesday, and how much did you kind of feel like you carried some of the momentum? Oh well, you know. To make up for the Memphis game, you know, uh, to come out and you know, kind of have that uh, intensity uh, at LA uh, was was kind of like the the edge we we needed and wanted to start the game with. And I think you know, since then we we just you know kind of been focused on ourselves and just really trying to trying to just you know, I would just say, really work to get to where we know we can we can get to as a team, man. This is a very talented group. Uh, we just have to put it together. Uh, missing some guys uh, on the wings tonight, but what, what did that four-guard lineup do for you guys in the fourth quarter in terms of just playmaking and, and being able to get open shots? Oh, man, uh, I would just say uh, defensively, like that lineup is just, you know, you got a lot of scrappy guys in, in the game. So, uh, you know, attention to detail is, is major. I think, uh, you know, that, that, that says a lot about coaching and trust he has in that lineup and, and those bounces on the floor. So uh, it, was, it was pretty good to kind of go, go back to it. Can you talk more about the defensive effort tonight? You guys held them under 100 or under 40%. I mean, what were you guys doing out there to really shut them down? But it's really uh, taking a challenge, you know, one to guard, one to, you know, make a stop, uh, let them in one shot. Uh, one shot, no, no, uh, you know, the office rebounds and things of that sort, but it's just a really, I would say, just really a want to man, you know, want to guard. That kind of changed the dynamic of our team, you know, because uh, we're able to get stops and, and run. That's how I would say that's, that's the best advantage we have is our speed. And of course, it's all time. So it kind of, you know, when we, we lock it up and playing great defense, then we want to rebound and get out of run. That's, 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 that's the way we want to play. Uh, Terrence, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about Marvin and, and, you know, he's been through lots of ups and downs here um, and, you know, to have another opportunity at this point and, and, you know, to seemingly be taking advantage of that. What, what are you seeing and hearing from him? What do you like about what he's doing for this team right now? He, he just been, you know, he just been staying down and uh, grinding, honestly. You know, really, uh, I know it's a tough situation for him, you know, being, you know, going too thick and it's just, it's just, it's a tough situation. A lot of guys in his position haven't been through something like that. So for him to just, you know, to put that to the side and keep working, keep grinding, come in here, uh, double double tonight, miss another last game uh, illness, that just shows a lot about him, honestly. Uh, and he, he really changed the game for us, you know, rebounding, just being being a dog on the, on the uh, defensive and, and offensive board. So, uh, you know, kudos to, to tomorrow. You know. TD, we're going to go to the Zoom. Christos. Go ahead. Hey, Terrence. How you doing? You hear me now? Go ahead, Christos. Great game, first of all. How needed was that win for you guys, mentally wise? Yesterday it was, uh, it was everything. Honestly, uh, you know, that's a that's a that's a good team. Uh, you know, they'll definitely be in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that win just. I would just say, you know, we can we can take it and you know keep going, keep stacking. I just got Orlando coming here, very wonderful game. But, you know, just 
So, yeah, I think that you can tell um, from the way that TD kind of talks about it that the shooting struggles that he had at the beginning of the year were really affecting him. And I think, understandably so, like he says, that's what he was paid to do is kind of what he's hinting at there. Um, I guess not hinting, he says pretty directly. And then starting 12 of 57 from three, only 21% is just got to be a rough feeling. You know, there was a lot of talk that he played really well at training camp. We expected him to have a role going into this season and that hasn't happened. So if Harrison Barnes can return and Buddy Heald can get back to his um, elite three-point shooting, Tyrese Halliburton can become a high volume and remain elite three-point shooter. And Terrence Davis can emerge as a player who is hitting shots at a good rate from beyond the arc. Then the King spacing issues don't look horrible anymore. You know, still playing Chemezi Metsu, Marvin Bagley, Maurice Harkless maybe isn't ideal, but I think those guys' minutes can go down. You know, we even saw a four guard lineup for a little while in this Clippers game. It's not the first time we've seen it. I think it's a little bit out of necessity because again, there's no Harrison Barnes or Maurice Harkless currently. But either way. Terrence Davis, I think, has an opportunity to be pretty impactful on this team as long as he's hitting shots and he needs to be a spark plug off the bench offensively at very least. And then I think he also forces some steals and gets out in passing lanes similarly to what we've heard be an emphasis for a lot of these guys in the entire roster, really. So I think Terrence Davis fits at least from a skill set standpoint. Positionally, might be a little overlapping with some of the other talents that Sacramento has, but obviously him shooting and, and becoming a above average three-point shooter like he's expected to be. And again, Terrence Davis is only in his third year in the NBA. Um, he's not exactly the youngest guy, but when it comes to NBA experience, he still has plenty of room to grow. And for that reason, I think that there's still more to expect of Terrence Davis. There's no reason to be so skeptical of what we've seen to begin the year that you're just like, you know, I don't know that we can ever rely on Terrence Davis. And I think it's, we don't know if we can, but we also don't know that we can't. Um, so what we've seen in these two games of upwards of 20 points for Terrence Davis, he's even closing in the second Clippers game is extremely encouraging, Buddy he has got to turn it around. I think that he will. He looked really poor in the second Clippers game. Um, the first one, he didn't, play great either buddy Hield has really struggled and again he'll he'll come back around when it comes to shooting the ball but buddy looks very weirdly off like almost in a way that we haven't seen much recently but the king's gonna win and it's crazy with how poor it feels like this season has gone because of the inconsistencies and i think it's more of the way that they're losing games rather than how many games they're losing Obviously, their win-loss of 10 and 14 isn't ideal. But I think looking at the way that the schedule started, like 10 and 14 was probably going to be somewhere near an average prediction if you had to ask someone, sit someone down prior to the season, myself or whoever listening prior to the season and ask, what record do you think the Kings have after 24 games, 25 games? 11 and 14? say if we were doing 24 games, 10 and 14, like it's really not going to be far off from what most people guessed. And that 10 and 14 record has them at the 11th seed in the Western Conference with the Portland Trailblazers at 10th, who, man, Portland looks like something. Neil O'Shea just got fired. They just lost the night that I'm recording this. Again, the night that the Kings beat the Clippers at Golden 1 Center. Portland lost to Boston by nearly 30 points. 28 points. They gave up 145 points in regulation. Holy crap. Um, the Kings are only a game out of that 10 spot. What's even crazier, the Kings are only two games behind the fifth seed in the Western Conference. And that is a four-way tie for that fifth seed with the LA Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Dallas Mavericks, and the Denver Nuggets. And then after Denver sitting at eight, you see the nine Minnesota Timberwolves, who the Kings are a game and a half behind. 
10, the Portland Trailblazers, who the Kings are a game behind. And then the Sacramento Kings, half a game behind the Kings. You have the San Antonio Spurs. And then you have a drop to three and a half games behind the Kings, New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and, and then you're also seeing the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder, those three teams, Pelicans, Rockets, Thunder, at this point, not saying as... I mean, I guess the, the Rockets have won five in a row. I, I shouldn't be counting anybody out or anything like that. It's still very early in the year. But the Kings are still in a spot where they absolutely are serious contenders for the play-in, for the playoff. Like, this season they are should still be expected to make the play-in. Nothing should change from that. And we saw Gentry get a little bit of an opportunity to have a practice and maybe start to emphasize some of the things that he wants to, like a aggressive defense where they're forcing turnovers and more physical and uh, disruptive on the defensive end, a more aggressive Tyrese Halliburton, um, more pace, more pace, more pace, pace nonstop. And if you're not running, then we're going to find somebody that is and his willingness to finagle with lineups more so than what we saw with Walton. Like I think Walton was playing with lineups a lot, but I think that on a game to game basis, for example, in this Clippers one, we saw that Alex Len was the backup center option and that wasn't working amazingly. They ended up going to Tristan Thompson and Thompson had a really, really good stretch at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth where um, his defense was really crucial against this small Clippers lineup that they were rolling out there. So I think just a willingness to, kind of adjust on the fly a little bit more is what it feels like we've seen with Gentry and um, yeah, getting comfortable with what he has in front of him as the main shot caller. I think this time that he had between these two Clippers game is very important. And then also the Kings have a hole in their schedule coming up. Um, maybe that's a weird way to say it. They have a little bit of a break, I guess they have, they just played again when I'm recording this today on Saturday at golden one center against the Clippers. Now they have one, two, three days off until they play on Wednesday the 8th at 7 p.m. against the Orlando Magic. Um, I'm going to cry watching Franz Wagner. The team's 5-19. and 19. That should be a win for the Sacramento Kings, but should be a win or should be a loss. Um, probably shouldn't be in my vocabulary at this point. Maybe not at this point, just any time covering the Sacramento Kings. Um, but point being, they have three days. They're going to have a practice during that stretch. And I think that that's going to be something that is, um, important for Gentry. It gives him another opportunity to kind of, again, emphasize the things that he wants to and how he wants this Sacramento Kings team to play. And if we can get more of what we saw in the first half against the Clippers, with an aggressive defense where they are forcing turnovers and disrupting opponents, an aggressive Tyrese Halliburton pushing the pace every damn possession. De'Aaron Fox getting more of his, you know, coast-to-coast opportunities that are just so Fox. I don't know how else to say it. Um, Rashawn Holmes running in transition. I think if we can get Buddy Heald back to shooting at a good rate, Terrence Davis continues to... be playable on the offensive end when he's out there and be a spark plug. Um, maybe the inconsistencies don't have such a low when he, when he is on the um, downswing when it comes to the, the inconsistencies that we see from him where it's more, it's less of a wide variance and he still has the highs and lows, but the lows aren't, you know, 8.9% less than 10% on wide open threes. Like, those guys are going to start hitting shots a little bit more. And while I talked about Gentry's willingness to mess with lineups, uh, some of it has been out of necessity because he's dealt with a lot of injuries. We've seen a couple things to Halliburton here and there. Um, but most recently we saw Marvin Bagley who did end up playing tonight against the Clippers and he played, he played well. Um, I think a lot of people were, I, I I'll say that I'm not as excited as a lot of people seem to be. It was his first double, double of the season. Um, it was a solid performance from Bagley. I really liked that on the offensive end, he's just playing a role. I mean, he kind of just sits in the corner. Um, sometimes he's the role man in a pick and roll, which is great. I mean, he didn't do that often enough. A lot of it, it's not a two-man game. You know, it's kind of like this drag and um, two bigs, and they'll have one role, and then the other stay there and usually set a screen for Buddy or or TD. And um, 
if they're not paying attention to Marvin, there's a little lob pass that Ty or De'Aaron can hit at a pretty good rate. Um, so I like that he's he being Bagley is fitting a very simplistic offensive role. I think that's really important for his development because you know a lot of times he was getting thrown out there and he was still trying to be the future star Marvin Bagley and it's like no right now you need to just find where you fit on the basketball floor and I think he's figured that out a little bit more um I haven't loved him on the defensive end I still thought that I still didn't think he was great tonight or anything like that um I thought that he wasn't bad which I guess is progress so um yeah I'm certainly not complaining about Bagley but I'm just not celebrating his game in the way that I felt like some people may have been um but point being where I started with all that is he was out recently with a non-COVID related illness. It wasn't sure if he was going to be available for the second game against the Clippers. He obviously did end up playing. The other two injuries that we've seen are Harrison Barnes has a right foot sprain. He's hopeful for the game against um, the Magic on Wednesday. And again, we have four days until that game. So getting these guys extended rest, um, was a little bit of a reasoning we heard from Gentry on, you know, maybe him or Mo could have played in this Clippers game, but it was more of a, like, we're going to play it safe because why would we risk it when we do have three days of rest coming up after this to just really play it safe, especially with Harrison of a guy that is so important to this team, constantly a leader in minutes played per game. He's got a right foot sprain. Um, We saw him dressed at practice. So Gentry said that he is hopeful that he will play. And he also said that He's hopeful Maurice Harkless will be available against Orlando. And Harkless currently is dealing with knee soreness in his left knee. So getting those guys back, being able to get a little bit of rest for this team that is really kind of traveled a lot and I think had a lot of games in short stretches. I think that, again, it was a very tough beginning of the schedule for the Sacramento Kings. And now they're going through a stretch where it's a little bit more in their favor. We see versus Orlando and then they go on a road trip where they're facing Charlotte, Cleveland, and Toronto. Three winnable games. Um also three teams that may be about equal with Sacramento. Um but certainly nothing where I'm looking and I'm like, oh the Kings probably sh- are going to lose this game. And then they come home, they play Washington, Memphis, San Antonio. So these next seven games that the Kings are looking at are all against very winnable opponents. Um you know, Memphis is playing well. Washington is playing well. You could say that about a decent amount of these teams, but nothing again where I'm like, man, this team is so much better than the Kings. So we'll see. Um, I, I think getting a good bit of rest for these guys, Gentry getting another opportunity to kind of put his fingerprints a little bit more on this roster and what he wants to emphasize, which seems to be, again, aggressive defense in forcing turnovers and causing disruptions, um, maybe jumping in passing lanes a little bit more and giving you more opportunities to do that by being more aggressive in defending the ball handler. And then also ridiculous pace, which some of that is going to have to do with getting stops on the defensive end or turnovers, like I said, but then also securing defensive rebounds, um, which team hasn't been great at. I don't know that they're ever going to be great at it, Um, but I like that they are dictating they're worried about what they can control. We, that's one other thing I guess I want to get in here before I wrap up this episode is we've heard a lot about, you know, um, being in control of the game. And I felt like that's another difference I've noticed is that with Walton, it was a lot of we're taking away what the other team was doing rather than optimizing what the Kings were doing themselves. And it feels like the opposite with Gentry so far. Um, again, Chance I'm reading this wrong. Uh, It's my first year actually in the press room. So still kind of getting my feet wet and used to it. But that's just what I've seen in the differences between these two guys um, so far in this season. And again, the Kings are really in a fine spot. If if they can get healthy and some of these things start to click a little bit more where they become a not horrific defensive team, get out in transition as often as possible, become damn close to the fastest team in the league and get some more aggression from guys like Tyrese Halliburton and Harrison Barnes, then, you know, like I said, two games out of the fifth seed in the Western conference, which is pretty crazy to think. And they only have seven. The next seven games are all winnable situations. So 
Kings are in a good spot. I feel encouraged after what we saw from that Clippers game. Um, I, I get the people that are going to say, yeah, you know, I'm talking about they played great in the first half and LA kind of came back in the second half, but the Kings held up just fine. Um, you know, there were moments where of it got to like a concerning point, the the deficit being kind of trimmed down by the Clippers, but the Kings maintained control. And I think that um, even just what we saw for that first half was just so encouraging to me that um, I'm hoping we can get more of that moving forward. It was a lot of what we had heard talked about kind of seeing actualized on the court, which a lot of times we were hearing the same things and it was never actually happening. So I'm optimistic moving forward for this Kings team. I'm going to keep uh, pumping out content for Kings Pulse. Again, I'm actually now putting these on YouTube as well. Uh, See my face. You can see some of these clips that I'm including as well. And with me being at more practices, shoot arounds, and part of all these press conferences, I'm going to be including these clips more often. Sorry that sometimes the audio is for some of these post-game pre-games. I'm on Zoom sometimes. For example, the one with Terrence Davis today had some technical issues on the Kings side um, that made that audio come out a little, how do I want to say, cloudy, I guess. Um, So yeah, sometimes those audio aren't going to be great. But if you watch on YouTube, um, you can see the video of those guys talking as well. Sometimes I'll put a little graphic over it as well as I kind of try to play with that a little bit more. Um, Obviously available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy the pod. I can't tell you how much that does. Um, And obviously, you'll get any of the new episodes put in your feed right when they get uploaded. And of course, take a look at the Kings Herald. I'm going to have articles there. And obviously, all all the other great guys um, that I have on this show all the time, and I'm sure all of you guys are aware of, are putting out good content there all the time. So take a look at the Kings Herald to support local independent Kings coverage and give a look at the Patreon. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days. I don't know if you realize I kind of changed my schedule to post games usually, unless there's a back-to-back. But with this little stretch coming up, like I said, three days off, you'll probably get something around Tuesday, but no promises. We'll see. So like I said, if you enjoyed, please subscribe, rate, and review. 